Welcome to the 109th edition of the Guna Podcast. This is your host, David Udo, and this edition is a little bit different for two reasons. Firstly, we're recording on a Friday evening, which is fairly uncustomary, and secondly, we've been ordered from on high to produce one long podcast instead of three shorter ones per recording session. So enjoy this, as it'll be all you're going to get until next month. We're convening two days before Arsenal's second Premier League fixture of the season away to Stoke, having sat for a goalless home draw with Sunderland last Saturday. So who has survived the summer and done enough of a pre-season to sacrifice the start of their weekend and join us this evening? Firstly, one of the highest paid men in showbiz. He's forgotten the early evening train home to the posh part of Kent to be with us. It's long-time panel regular and a man who dresses as Doctor Who for his Twitter profile picture. A warm welcome to Mr. Mark Ollington. Hello everyone, welcome back. Hope you enjoy the Olympics. <laughs> Next stuff. And trying to retain some sense of pre-season optimism in the face of commenters on the online gooner telling him to lay into the team from the outset. The man who has to produce the introductory words I read out every month so he's not going to take the piss out of himself. It's the man Mark Hollington refers to as boss and Steve Ashford calls the Fuhrer. Hello to the editor of the gooner, Mr Kevin Witcher. Hello listeners. And finally, a podcast debutant. And it's about time too. Providing us with some measured words of wisdom, he's a long-time Gooner contributor and regularly posts his thoughts on his own blog, A Gooner's Diary. He's also a columnist on Arsenal for the Irish Examiner and has written two books on successful Arsenal seasons in the days we were at Highbury. And I'll be honest, I certainly have one which I enjoyed an awful lot, the yellow one with the red shirt on the front. I know the Mark has as well. We are very, very much looking forward to the next one, but I'm not holding our breath. He's made the short trek from his Desres on the other side of the Blackstock Road to be with us. It's very, very, very warm welcomes to Mr Bernard Agelet. Evening all. So, I want the introduction, that was. Oh, I've never got one like that. <laughs> <laughs> we have to write one for you every time. Seriously, yeah. it's one 50-minute podcast. They're about 14 paragraphs each. To be fair, I haven't written two books about the Arsenal, so <laughs> fair due to Bernard. We actually have two authors in the building this evening. Uh, we do indeed, 50% of us. The other 50% work in TV for the Murdoch family. <laughs> Just make your own judgment yeah, credibility there. <laughs> So, let's start with our first competitive fixture of the season. A nil-nil draw at home to Sunderland. Was it the same old, same old with Arsenal failing to break down stubborn opposition at home? Or did we see something different? Bernard, what do you reckon? It was a, it was a bit of an anticlimax, I think, because everyone was, was, was expecting to see so much from the new players and to see something different, as opposed to the same old, same old when we've gone into seasons with the same group of players. And uh, and as a result, it was a bit of an anticlimax, albeit albeit that uh, albeit it wasn't as, as as devastating as most would fear, most would suggest. Mark, what do you think from where you were sitting? Uh, I, I mean, do you think ultimately end it? You know what? They played well; they were just unlucky. Or, or did it make you crash and burn and, and think like the guy from Dad's Army? We're all doomed. Let me tell you a story, David. I love Open Day of the season, and when you have the hot weather and you're striding along in your shorts, and you know you have the optimism of a whole new season, there is no better feeling. Even for a brief moment, you can believe anything is achievable in that season. And I love it. And as I strode into the Emirates, or whatever we're calling it these days, Arsenal Stadium, I honestly believe when we saw the whole new team being announced, I was full of joy, verve, vibrancy, optimism, and general love. What's not to love, exactly. And forget Van Persie are gone, I was ready to be entertained, Sunderland at home, surely a guaranteed win. 
at the end of it, I changed my mind somewhat. And, but what I will say is, it wasn't as bad as the media and the naysayers were making out. I think it's very, very difficult when you've got 10 men, obviously, behind the ball, 90 minutes. Um, we've all, always struggled to break those kind of team, teams down. And probably what was a positive thing was normally those teams often go on the break, have one shot on goal, and then score it. And for once we say that, and that didn't happen. So whilst a nil-nil was not the best result in the entire world, and you probably come on to our signing soon, and while we should have definitely scored in the second half, we have an unbelievable mischance that I still can't believe now wasn't scored. It's not a disaster. When you consider Spurs, Liverpool, Man United all had disastrous opening games, in that context, not, not terrible. And of course you can't measure your results against anybody else's. That's not the way to kind of, you know, get your successes. But by the same token, I still think there's a long, long, long way to go. Well, 37 games to go. But it's, so, such, it's such a fine line as well. I mean, if Giroud had have connected with that shot and put it on target and we'd have nicked the game 1-0, Everyone would have been chuffed to bits with the three Absolutely. points, and, and that's the, the you know it's such a fine margin between success and disaster that uh, that uh, we would have we would, could have all walked out of the Emirates with a smile on our face and all been delighted you know rather than everyone slaughtering the team and saying we're not going to do anything this season. Totally, Kev. Notwithstanding your editorial the following day on OnlineGuna.com. Um, as time passed and you've realised actually sod this Man City came out of nowhere and that they won their game from 2-1 down to win 3-2 uh, Chelsea won in midweek were behind everything or is there still a degree of optimism after that game? Well I think there's a degree of wait and see I mean I'm not prepared to condemn the team after one game um, I think we've seen a few games like that over the years uh, at Arsenal Occasionally, a team that comes to park the bus will do it successfully. It's going to happen. Um, I mean, the other thing is, I'm not convinced that the team has gelled yet. Um, I mean, I think there's Podolski was maybe on a different wavelength to some of his colleagues, and that's that will come or it won't. But I'm pretty sure it will come. Um, I I just think. I mean, I called, I called the editorial I wrote online after the game a work in progress, and I've actually slated for using that title. But it is a work in progress at the moment, because when you get new players and you change a team, then you have to develop the, the group. Uh, and, and frankly, given the pre-season effectively was one actual game in which they played and they didn't play all of it either, uh, they haven't actually had time on the pitch together so it, you know it's just we're unfortunate victims of the fact we couldn't take a lot of players that went to the Euros over to the Far East and get them bedded in we had a week in Germany and one friendly to do it and it hasn't happened yet and you wouldn't expect it to either so although it was frustrating um, we did create some half decent chances and one glorious chance on another day, as has been said, it would have been a one nil. It just the, the dice didn't roll for us. But you know, I always remember when I think about start of seasons. I remember when Manchester United won the Premier League for the first time. They got one point out of their first three matches. So you know, I'm not going to write the team off after one match as some people want me to, because I'm always prepared to give. Arsene Wenger a chance and I want to be proved wrong I want I want him to prove me he can win another trophy at Arsenal because I want Arsenal to win things contrary to what some people <laughs> believe 
Um, so, uh, you know, we, obviously it would have been nice to win, but it's too early to pass judgment. I think we will get on to the Stoke game later. Um, but, you know, the fixtures to follow will complete the picture and we'll have a much better idea than we will after one game. Uh, work in progress being the, being the title of your editorial, I mean, I think it's seven an awful lot up, up uh, the same as your comments have. But, I mean, obviously the, the three most important things, I suppose, um, from that game were the new players individually and, and collectively, I suppose. I mean, Bernard, what, what did you think of Kazola, Giroud and, uh, and Podolski? Um, okay for you? Work to be done? I think Kev's right in the sense that to parachute three new players into the, into an unfamiliar lineup, generally Arsenal-wise, um, it would have been more surprising if they'd have gelled in their first competitive game and it had all been beautiful football and we'd have all been, you know, sitting there with their tongues hanging out. Um, but when I came when I came away from the game, I was looking for excuses. Such a hot day, and the, 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 you know, you couldn't expect them to be such a dynamic performance in that heat but then when, when, when you watched when you look at the goal scored at Fulham and the 5-0 elsewhere and the Southampton Man City game if there's one thing that I would I would have liked to see more is kind of a bit more appetite about the, the fact that I would like to see them all a bit, bit hungrier first game of the season something to prove uh, everyone wanting to put to bed the whole Van Persie that we're not going to score without Van Persie if, if there was anything that I missed in that game it was the kind of dynamism that we saw maybe in the Man City-Southampton game. Um, perhaps that's due to the fact that we were playing an opponent that, that, that was so defensive. But um, I'd, li- I'd like to have seen them a bit hungrier, maybe. What did you think, uh, Mark? Um, were you generally happy? Um, frustrated? Probably more frustrated rather than happy. I mean, I'm not, as I said before, one of these people that jumped on the bandwagon and it's all a big disaster, it's all going to be terrible. But when I think back to Wenger's first double winning season, in that team, that started at 11, we had Petit, I think Overmars, that were parachuted into the team, players on the bench that were new, mm-hmm. and we won. We beat Coventry 2 1 on our opening, our opening home game of the season. And then to be fair, we only started with Giroud on the bench. There's only two new players that started. And so really, it's not as if we're starting with a whole brand new team. And so you would expect more at home from Sunderland. But like I said, I'm not prepared to totally slate them now because it was the opening day. But I think it's night, night. I think you just can't blame them. We've only got three new players. And really, every pre-season, you want to get three, four new, new, new players anyway. We already started with two of them. So it wasn't if it shouldn't have like, disrupted the whole, the whole team. Most of that team played last season. Mm. It wasn't like a whole new Arsenal. And let's face it, and one of those players, the old young Spanish dude, was phenomenal. I mean, you know, people, and I think an awful Sunday supplement program on Sky, one of those idiot journalists described Cazola as like Fabregas light or a shit version of Fabregas. He was phenomenal. I know you can't base a, base a whole player's like, you know, future Arsenal career on one performance, but he, this guy has the potential to be flipping brilliant. So. I guess to answer your question is slight negativity, but there's a lot to be hopeful for as well. So I don't know. I'm I'm very torn, <laughs> moment, David. Like um, Alanis Morissette. No, it wasn't. It was <laughs> Natalie Imbruglia that was torn. I'm like her back <laughs> in the. Um, <laughs> if only, if only we're as good looking. Well, <laughs> she's aged very well, though, Kev. Is that right? No, she's got quite a few wrinkles now, and her boobs are saved quite a lot. 
well. I'll give them their due, actually. I mean, I, 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 I am, I'm a very, very straight man. Having said that, the first time I saw Olivier Giroud, it did have me doubting myself. You know, wondering exactly what the right we done. He's a ridiculously handsome man. I mean, Kev, where you're sitting, uh, did you come out of the game thinking we've now got the Matalan Cesc Fabregas, Ju uh, Young Park, but French, and another Jovino? Or are you, you know, based on what they've, they've done in previous seasons for, for Germany, Montpellier in France, um, and uh, Malaga in France, uh, in Spain, there's actually an awful lot still to come? Well, I was interested to see Giroud start on the bench um, and Badolski start as the centre forward um, because I don't see Badolski as a centre forward. Um, and I, maybe that was because Wenger didn't want to put in three whole new players. Um, but then again, you know, we played Theo, who uh, he did set up one chance, but didn't do much else, in fairness. So um, my impression was obviously the same as everybody else, because Zorda did look the real deal. Um, you know, I mean, you, you will never have another Fabregas, he was a unique player. Um, but what you want is someone who's going to contribute to a team and help them win. And from what I've heard about Cazorla, he is a bit of a battler. He couldn't even play defensive midfield, apparently. Um, so I think now we're looking more at how the team will gel rather than worrying about individual stars. And so really... It's up to whether or not these new guys are going to join the mix and improve it. Because what I have concluded, and I think what everyone else has concluded, is that Project Youth is now dead and buried. It started off last August with the panic signings, when obviously we brought in experienced players both from other Premier League clubs and from abroad. And it's continued. I mean, you know, this... This transfer window, we've bought established players who've been round the track once or twice. So this is different now. You know, this means that when the going gets tough, hopefully we will have enough character, even though some of these guys are from abroad, to actually drag out results from games we've lost before. Individually, uh, I mean, obviously, Podolski disappointed. Giroud had a great chance, like he did against Cologne. He missed two or three fairly good chances. Have we bought a cup? Uh, time will tell. Um, some players just don't work out. You know, Diego Forlan looked brilliant at some clubs. He looked rubbish at Man United. Um, I'm hoping that um, Giroud will work out but you just can't say until he's played half a season so um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about any of the new guys except Cazorla at the moment who are definitely mm. looks like he's going to work I think Podolski will come good Giroud he just needs to score a couple of goals get confident get more chances put them away and get on a roll um, so hopefully that will happen um, but as I said before too early to to make any judgments. Let's just give these guys some match time. Yeah, I, I, I agree with all three of you. Actually, I mean, I mean, as much as it pains me, in Wenger's defence of all the things, he came out about two weeks before the season started and said, 
it's been very, very frustrating that the European Championships have taken place because I'm not going to get all of my new players in the same place for pre-season until very late in the day. Wenger doesn't get to go to Austria for two weeks as he likes to do and has to go touring around Southeast Asia uh, and Africa as it's supposed to be until they got cancelled. So I think the players didn't turn up till relatively late. I mean, Cazorla only trained with the Arsenal team for about a week uh, during which he had to go to Puerto Rico with Spain. So I think they've all got to get used to each other as much as anything else. But having said that, I mean, with Podolski starting up front, Giroud on the bench, that's obviously fitness related. But having said that, he's got Podolski that he can multitask with in the sense that he can start him up front, move him on to left wing, that kind of thing. But having seen that, Wenger appears to be readdressing some of the problems by buying established players, 24 years and older. Um, you've got 96 caps uh, for Podolski with Germany, which is what Mertesacker had who he signed last summer. So he's kind of drawn a line under, um, uh, you know, building a team purely around, you know, ridiculously young players. So is it fair to say that the Wenger's looking to readdress his problems? He's doing that. There's been a huge shake-up in the coaching staff. And it would appear that our defensive solidity, yeah, solidity is being addressed um, in terms of the fact that we generally look to right at the back. I mean, Bernard, do you think this is a Wenger revolution? He's changed the coaching staff. He's looking at things like defensiveness and mature people. Um, I think he's, uh, he's, he's been forced to, to, to look at things from another angle. I, think, don't think he's, I, I, I think he's got no choice after plugging away for seven years and having no success. Um, uh, I'm not, when you look at Podolski and Giroud, I'm not sh sure anyone would class them exactly as top shelf buyers, though. And so, to my mind, especially with Podolski, the fact that uh, I didn't hadn't seen much of him, but watched him during the Euros, where he was pretty anonymous. I don't know whether that was because he was played out of position and out wide. But apart from seeing him score one goal, uh, my, my my immediate thoughts is a player who went from Bayern back to his hometown club of Cologne. That doesn't exactly suggest to me someone who's who's desperate to make his mark on the game and so in that respect I feel he's got a lot to prove and and Giroud the fact that he couldn't get I haven't seen anything of Giroud apart from what we've seen in pre-season friendlies but the fact that he couldn't get in a French side that isn't exactly <laughs> blessed with prolific strikers you wonder you wonder why but then what I've liked about Giroud is that he's he's prepared to take a shot unlike someone like Shamak who must be the most uh, goal shy reticent striker <laughs> we've seen ever at the Emirates, somebody who's, you know, who refuses to take a shot. I like the fact that Giroud is confident enough to have a go. Um, whether, whether this is a sign of a, of a complete uh, Wenger U-turn, I'm not sure. Um, uh, I think, it, uh, uh, as far as Stevie Bowles concerned, I, th I wonder how much influence he's going to let him have on the team. The fact that we're seeing Mercedes go near post for headers, and, <laughs> and uh, I mean, that's, that, 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 that looks like a positive. Whether whether it's going to result in a more stable defence that means that we can afford to sell Alex Song, who who knows? Let's let's see what happens. What do you think, Mark? I mean, uh, Bowley is the assistant manager. Neil Banfield coming in. I thought he was going to be brought in to put the cones out for the warm-ups, but evidently Bowley did all that last week. I mean, is is that part of England's revolution? Is there a revolution? I mean, how do you think the coaching staff's doing? I think I was reading in my latest edition of the Guna, a smashing issue by the way, so go and get it now. I think it's it was in amazing. Mickey amazing. Cannon's column and he actually mentioned that um, I think towards the end of last season that Wenger was still begging Pat Rice to stay. So as Bernard actually said there, you know, I think it was forced upon him all these changes and it's not necessarily something Arsenal would have wanted to do by himself. But Bold is there now and he didn't go out of the club, apparently as well to get off topic slightly. 
Van Persie, in his demands to him, had a list of two or three kind of coaches he thought should come into the club, all external. Really? Obviously, Steve Ball wasn't on that list. But then you decided to do the thing by him and obviously promote from within, which is not a huge change. Yeah. But I think the good thing is, and perhaps time would prove this, is that I think Bold's not so easy to suppress as a yes man. And whilst Wenger might want him to put out the cones, and whilst Wenger might want him just to kind of be there just as his little kind of pal, I think the kind of force of personality that Steve Bold actually is, his influence will exert himself in some way. And obviously, it's very early doors. But there are rumours, and who knows if these rumours are true or not, that he had Alex Song by the throat in pre-season training for, you know, mucking around and not taking training seriously. Presumably after turning up late, as he's made a habit for doing. Yeah, we did see that um, goal in Cologne, which was typical Arsenal, back from the kind of um, back four of old. And as Bella mentioned, the kind of flick-on, I think, from uh, Mertesacker in the last game was very, very bold-esque. <laughs> so, very early days, but I like to think the force of personality that Steve Bold is might be helping the club. Banfield, I've got no idea. I can't profess to have much knowledge of his inner workings or his yeah. personality or what he's going to bring to the M table. But even though the bold thing might have come about in a very roundabout fashion because Menga had to kind of promote someone... I hope it's actually going to prove to be a masterstroke mm. just due to the sheer majesty of <laughs> Steve Bowles. Uh, who knows? But, you know, it could prove to be a good thing. What do you think, Kev? I mean, bearing in mind the manager hasn't gone out and, and looked into buying any defenders thus far, as of today. Um, do you think there's ultimately a satisfaction? Defenders there are absolutely fine. They just need work doing to them. That's something that's been passed to Boldy. Yes. Um, I think the... The defenders uh, we've got are probably good enough. Um, I just think it's long for a long time. It's been a matter of organisation and, I mean, you know, mental focus. To almost paraphrase Wenger, but uh, you know, we don't concentrate. I mean, this will get onto Alex Song in time, but he's symptomatic of certain mental indiscipline which we have been guilty of in our own half, which has led to opposition goals more than once. So my hope with Bold is that he will instill this thought process whereby, in a way, there's less football in our own half. You know, we've, we've been guilty of playing too much football, too close to our own penalty area for too long. Um, looks pretty, you know, when it comes off but it could be a liability and I mean the one thing about Bold is you would say he's a safety first merchant you know there was no hesitation about using Rosette uh, from a guy who was coached by George Graham and frankly there's been times in the past when we haven't been able to do that because we've been too focused on keeping the ball you know I remember Gail Clichy against Birmingham in 2008 right. you know just just boot the bloody thing out you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so I I also read I think it was a Marlin but someone said we've been working a lot in pre-season on defensive shape and defending as a team and when I did read that it encouraged me greatly but at the same time I thought we're doing this now <laughs> <laughs> you know we weren't doing this for the last six or seven years it's, it's, I mean, I can believe it. That's part of the problem. I mean, there's, there's, there's this idea that there's a perception Wenger never works on defence. But I actually believe there's a lot of truth in it. Mm. Um, and, 
you know, there are two sides to, to the game. Even Barcelona don't enjoy 100% possession. You know, they've got to work sometimes to stop the opposition scoring. And you've got to have that side of your game addressed. And, you, you know, you're going to win matches by both attacking and defending. And, frankly, the balance on our, our priorities has been way too much on what we can do with the ball for too long. And if Bold is allowed to address that, then we've got a real chance of improvement. And I don't think Wenger, even Wenger, could ignore the reality that we conceded 49 goals last season in 38 league matches. You know That won't happen again. There's no way it's going to happen again. It's just how much we can improve. And hopefully Bold will bring about a significant improvement. 49 goals in 38 games, it's an unfortunate record. I mean, you say 49 with regards to Arsenal Football Club, you think about the Invincibles from 2004 to 2005. However, 49 now will always go down as the amount of goals we conceded last season. Yet we haven't brought in any defenders during the summer, as I just mentioned to Kev. I mean, I mean Bernard, what do you think? I mean, we've brought in a French centre-forward, a German left-winger slash centre-forward, and a creative Spaniard who can play anywhere across the midfield. Uh, in terms of going out, we've let our best player to go, uh, a defensive midfield player to Barcelona, uh, and a couple of kids have buggered off as well. What do you think about the ins and outs? Are you generally happy with it, or is there an awful lot more to do in this last week? Um, I, I think uh, I can't. I can't imagine that he would have. That Song they would have. I can't imagine needing to sing, sell Alex Song without doing without having something in mind as a replacement. So. Uh, with Sahin having fallen through, I've, uh, whether it's Kapue from Toulouse, I, I, I assume that they've got someone lined up to fill that hole in the squad. But as uh, I agree with Kevin, the sense that what we've lacked for years is the discipline, some kind of discipline in defence, and the, there's a kind of a element of complacency in the sense that if somebody did make a mistake, a glare in giving the ball away in the, outside their own penalty area. You couldn't imagine anyone in that squad being afraid of the bollocking they were going to get back in the dressing room. And whereas you'd hope that Bold has a sufficiently commanding aura about them, that he will, he will create that, that, that element of fear that's been lacking for so long uh, and perhaps instill the sort of discipline, disciplinary regimen that will enable them to defend as a unit, which is basically, we've not, it's not that we've lacked the players, we've lacked the cohesion of a defensive unit and mm. hopefully with um, with Chesney being more vocal and, and not as timid as goalkeepers as we've had in, in, in the recent past and with the sort of centre-backs that we've got now I'm hoping that that we won't need that defensive midfield that role in front of the defence won't be so crucial the defence won't need to be protected not, uh, the whole game because they, they can defend well, it's interesting. I mean, I think we're changing to one holding midfield player now. You know, I've, I mean, I, I think that uh, the formation has changed. And in a way, it's quite adventurous, it's quite worrying. But if the defence are going to play like a defence, you can get away with it. You know, um, especially if you've got one of your attacking midfielders who's willing to mix in. I mean, uh, I don't know, it's difficult to say from the Sunderland game how well we played defensively. I mean, Diaby, in theory, uh, was supposedly playing with Cazorla in front of Arteta. Mm -hmm. But at times he did drop back. And I think if you've got 
one of your two attacking midfield players willing to do quite a bit of defensive work you know it, it can be fluid as long as you're doing the right things at the right time but um, it's it's it would be nice to have the option of another defensive midfielder who, who really knows what he's doing. Arteta does. Um, I'm happy with him. If Arteta gets injured, I'd worry a little bit. Even though we've got Coquelin and Frimpong? These are young kids. Uh, they're not really going to turn us into winners. They need a couple more years. Mm. Um, you know, not quite up to the grade. Um, in a way, though, I'd argue Song. I mean, we'll get on to Song, but he wasn't actually up to the grade for me either as a defensive midfielder. Mm. I think he could have done it if he had the right mindset. Um, if he, especially if he'd been developed alongside a player like Vieira, who would have shown him the ropes a bit more. But I think part of the problem with having such a young team <laughs> was there was not many players to pass on the baton in terms of teaching players what they can do you know if you had now Adams next to Kieran Gibbs I think Kieran Gibbs would be a better player mm. Kieran Gibbs would be a I mean actually Cole wasn't brilliant as a fullback when he first came in but he learnt and he learnt well because of the guys he was alongside and we've sacrificed that by going for Project Youth and, and suffered towards the end of seasons when in the big games we hadn't actually had what's required to see mm. our matches and get results Mark, if we're essentially changing this year from a solid four-two-three-one to something like uh, a four-one-four-one or a four-one-two-two-one, which is exactly what Barcelona play, if that's what you know is going to be the plan for the forthcoming, forthcoming season, do you think Wenger's bought the right players that he needed? Um, do you think he's got with the players he had to? Are there any additional players that need to be bought? Anyone else you just want to get rid of? Nice, David. When it comes to tactics, it's not my big speciality or strong point. I knew where I was back in the old days with four four two. It made so much more sense to me. And a few years ago, when we changed this four three three business, I've been confused ever since as to who plays where and who plays what. I don't understand it. What I will say though, and what I'm very passionate about on the transfers, ins and outs, is once again as we currently stand, we're five million pound in profit on players that we've bought and we've sold. Absolutely. Uh, when you look at the three million that we've got for Vela, million pound for Carl Bartley, 15 million for Song, 25 maximum for um, Van Persie, it comes to five million pound more than the three players that have cu- um, come in and made in profit. I'm sure it comes out as more as that. I'm pretty certain that the press is exaggerating on how much we've spent on our players. I'm pretty certain it's £2.50 to start with and then an extra few quid every week. So when you consider the £14 million profit we made from last season, and what really gets me about some Arsenal fans is they make out that we sold Nazri and Fabregas last season, went on this huge spending spree on transfer deadline day. What they failed to realise is, is that we didn't spend anywhere near as much as what come in. So we are so up in the amount of cash that has come in. And once again, we're in, a sit- we're in a position where we are underspending compared to the money that's going you know, um, out of the club. And if Walcott goes, and don't forget, you might have that come up in your topic a bit later, I'm not sure. But Walcott's got one year left on his contract. Bing is always very, very, re- uh, you know, he doesn't often keep players at the end after the like, Flamini, um, what happened to him, and then buggering off like Edu back in the day. Mm-hmm. So the policy in recent years has been to kind of sell players got one year left on their contract if they're not going to sign. Um, we've got a week left to work out what, what, he, what Walcott's actually going to do. If we sell him, we are potentially in a position where we've made £20 million profit. And I can't fathom it. So, yes, we need more players. 
I think there was something today that Chesney might be injured for the game potentially for Sunday. Oh, He's got like, a little niggle. If that happens, Manoni goes in goal. And we, we need a decent backup keeper. We, we need another midfielder. I think even though I love Corporal Jenkinson, we need probably an Anthony Tassania that's a bit more um, experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Santos is... I love him as a person. I think he's hilarious. We talk about his car kind of driving later, perhaps. Always be wary of, <laughs> be wary of a, a reserve left-back who, A, is 29, B, Brazilian, and C, spent all the pre-season playing on the left wing. Yeah, so, you know, so we definitely more strength in depth. But I don't understand why Arsenal supporters don't get more agitated and upset by the amount of money we're making every single year mm. on them transfers. It's forgotten about. It drives me insane. It's a profit-making machine. <coughs> Kev, what, what, what do you think? Uh, Arsenal satisfy themselves on being self-sufficient or, or, or elaborate parsimony, or do you still think we need to buy three players before next Friday? Well, if we're ambitious and we want to win things, we buy buy three players. Um, I mean, self-sufficiency doesn't need to be break-even. You can lose your profits to be self-sufficient as long as you don't go into debt. Exactly, Kevin. Um, so, frankly, uh, Ivan Gazidis constant trumpeting about how the club is being run uh, is bullshit. Um, <laughs> you know, we're not self-sufficient. We're a long way below that. We are parsimonious and tight. Uh, I mean, the question then becomes, OK, is that a boardroom-level decision or is it the manager? And actually, I do believe it is the manager. And I think this is where David Dean is desperately missed. Hmm. You know, Dean would actually say to Arson, OK, you want this guy, leave it to me. And Dean would spend a couple more million on him than Wenger would be prepared to. And Wenger would, would swallow it because ultimately he was working in tandem with Dean and he got on with Dean. Now, Wenger is, seems to be in sole charge of the decision on the money and he is absolutely obsessed with the concept of value, which is why Gary Cahill, in the summer of 2011, was too expensive for us. So he ends up going to Chelsea in January and helping them to win the Champions League. Because oh, honestly, he scored the exactly, exactly the same fee as per Mertesacker at eight and a half million pounds. Um, because he went in January. Yeah, and so he's and his, and his English. <laughs> and he's English, and if we even we we tried to get, I don't know what the fee was in in uh, August. I suspect it was twelve or thirteen million. I don't know. But we wouldn't pay it, and you've got to wonder how many players we've missed out on because Arsenal is so. And I don't swear often, but fucking tight. <laughs> and and you know it, it it's the one thing that really frustrates me because we've moved to this new stadium, we're making a great deal of money. We moved on the promise of we would now be able to compete with the big guys. We're not using all the money that's coming into the club on the field. You know, we're, we're, it's in the bank. It doesn't doesn't win you titles when it's cash in the bank. It wins you titles when it's on the fucking field wearing a pair of boots, even if they're pink. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind if even if we broke broke even. The last three or four years, we made something like a fifty million pound profit in the transfer market. Well, I believe there was eighty million pounds in the Arsenal players' bank account, so to my understanding, uh, at the end of the transfer market last season. That's oh. the player trading account, that's it, that, that, which that's covers it. transfers and wages for the year. And I mean, when we do talk about this, we must remember that the amount spent on transfers and wages is combined, and the club could turn around and say, "Well, actually." 
you know, you think we made 14 million profit in the transfer market. It was all spent on wages. But then you could argue, Kev, couldn't you, that, you know, it's your fault you're playing players like Shamak and Scalacci, 60 grand a week. There's been some terrible decisions made on wages. There's no question about that. And he's also, he's a, he's a victim of his own success, Wenger, because by working the Oracle every season of nicking a Champions League place, he's expected to do it every year. And I think the bottom line is, you look at our squad now, apart from Jack Wilshire, which of our players would walk into any of the other top teams? And you struggle to name name any. Chesney, I don't know. Mm. Uh, uh, it's, uh, it, um, you're, 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 you're clutching at straws to find any of those players that could walk into Man United, Man City. And so overall, the quality of our squad overall, year on year, is going backwards rather than forwards. Look, let's say uh, I'm I'm Lauren Gazidis at Arsenal, and you'll all love this. I've managed to do a triple deal with AC Milan. I've managed to sell them Nicholas Bender, Andre Arshavin, and Sebastian Scalacci for a combined fee of twenty-five million pounds. I'm going to give you that money, the fifteen million pounds we've made already, that forty million quid, and you can buy three players between now and the end of the transfer window. Who do you get for Arsenal? Mm. That's not made up money. That is a realistic sum. Uh, okay, not forty, for, not necessarily forty million pounds. But if you desperately need three players before the end of next week, who do you get? I'd probably phone uh, Brian Loudrop up and ask him. <laughs> 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 um, seeing as he's the one who seems to be able to pick up the bargains at the minute. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, th- 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 that's Michael Loudrop. Michael Loudrop, that's one thing. I think. Um, uh, I think um, Wenger's problem is that he's got he's so fixated on this value issue that 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 he won't go the extra mile to buy the players that we need um, because because he's afraid of, of getting his fingers burnt. Allah, um, uh, Allah, fox in the box. The last English disaster that he bought. Uh, Jeffers, friendly Jeffers, mm. and um, and as a result, we're we're buying mediocre players, and there's this there's this thin line between uh, gambling on giving them a long contract and mad wages to ensure they can't get pinched, and ending up stuck with them for umpty years because no one else will buy them and pay them that sort of money, and um, it's a difficult line to tread. And the the ultimately you're judged on 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 how successful you are, and at the moment the, the amount of dead 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 wood that we've got sitting on our books is 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 not doesn't reflect too well on him. Crikey, I've I've I've, I've not done it in the well way. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't just think that we're almost like an Aston Villa, Everton, Stroke Fulham type club, or oh, a mid-table selling club. No, players like Murdersacker, Podolski, even Giroud. Those type of players, you always imagine that clubs like Aston Villa, and I think we're pretty much, in a way, fast approaching. I.e., those kind of players you take, you take a punt on, might become good, but not your world-class players, not your total superstars, not even your old Wenger-type signings of unearthing diamonds. Mm. They're players that you've basically heard of, played for their national team quite a few times, but they're not superstars. And to me, Murthaka encapsulates everything about the brand new Arsenal. He's got loads of caps, everyone knows him, well-known player, but actually just a bit above average. And that's pretty much well, a kind if, of player. And if he was that good, why didn't, didn't anyone else buy him? Exactly, Bernard. You could not imagine Murtasaka at Man U or Chelsea or City, could you? He, he's the one player that encapsulates the modern Arsenal to me. 
Crikey. So it sadly does mean there is some truth in those rumours that we were in for Kevin Morales, the Belgian centre forward, who's turned us down to play first team game at our mid table rivals Everton. Sadly, I think you're right. It could be like that. I mean, Kev, by name, anyone that you typically want, or is it just a question of Wenger knows the positions in Easterfield will take anyone? Well, I mean, basically, let's just go and buy some proven um, Premier League players. And, and if Wenger doesn't like English players, there are some very good players that Newcastle have bought, for example, that we can pay more than they did for to get them off their books. You know, the bottom line, I think you'll find in life, is that everything has a price. And if you're prepared to pay it, you'll get it. So if we've got 40 million to play with, bloody spend it and pay over the odds for some of these guys. Is Tioti, is he supposed to be really good? Oh, Ch- Tioti is a good player. Yeah, yeah, someone like that. Ben Arthur. Why can't we get him? He's brilliant. Just just get some of these guys who've played in the Premier League, can obviously cut it, you know, know what it's about, and we'll strengthen our squad. One, I mean, one of the reasons, I think one of the obvious, most obvious reasons we conceded so many goals last season is that we were unable to retain possession of the ball. And playing his thing as ticky tacker football, that that is the that is the the key is being able to keep the ball in in, in your control, and so that, that that's where Cazorla looks a blinding by because he's the sort of player who has the composure and will be able to keep control of the ball and make the passes to unlock opposition defences, but. Um, as we saw last season, the minute Arteta was out of the team, we were struggling. And so, we, if he wants to continue playing in that sort of fashion, you've got to have the quality to be able to do it. Yeah. Well, uh, enough of players coming in. Sadly, we're going to have to look at, look at that which may have upset us this summer. Where obviously, we've kind of repeated last year and we've lost two of our, our best players, whether we like it or not. I mean, Mark, what, what do you think? Uh, about the departure of Robbie Van Persie the departure of Alex Song we haven't lost two of our best players we've lost our, our own best player and a decent first team player um, Alex Song I'll start with him first I actually think compared to the player that we saw when he first started for Arsenal he obviously come on leaps and bounds when the guy first started it was a liability but he learnt, he, he learnt a lot and, and given his due he got a lot lot better but we all know from watching him last season one game he can make a exquisite pass forward that can lead to a brilliant goal. Next minute he's right, re- responsible for letting the goal going in. He's indisciplined at times. It was shocking last season, especially in the last 10 games. So I'm probably not that sad to see Alex Song going. I think if he's prepared to spend the cash, there's players out there for £10 million plus that are better than Alex Song. So forget him. But, um, but Robin Van Persie, and obviously me and Kev were debating this at the start, I think what upset me most about that um, departure, even though I saw it coming months ago, I think we all did really. I, I think from the minute he wasn't signing his contract, we all knew he was kind of going. I think that really just kind of put the final nail in the coffin about the modern day foot, 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 footballer. Kev called him guns for hire, and the fact we've got to get it, you know, we've really got to get over the fact that these players care about the club. They don't, you know, it's not about that to them. It's, it really is about whether well, they're going to get paid the most money or potentially win the most trophies. But what really upset me about him leaving was A, he was our truly last world-class player. I don't, I don't properly believe Wiltshire's going to come back to the same level he ever was before. Been out for 18 months. Who knows if that guy will ever fulfil his massive potential that he actually had. So with him kind of gone, not if we lost our world-class player, we've lost a supposed player that you know loved the club, was more clever than the average foot, 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 footballer, loved football, loved tactics... 
And also, the fact that he was injured for six seasons and only really gave us like 18 months, that annoys me as well, you know. We subsidise that guy's wages through year after year of like, you know, scandal, um, in, in discipline at the start, injury, yet he has one good season and fucks off. And to me, that just kind of sums up the modern day football and everything that's wrong with football. And you know what, at one point I was just thinking, sod this game of soldiers. But, you know, you'll get over it. The club's more important than one particular player. But it leaves a very sour taste, doesn't it? Oh, very much so. I mean, Ben, what were your thoughts of, uh, of Van Persie leaving the club? Did you see this coming from January, or, or did it still hurt when it came across? Um, I, from my point of view, that, uh, that Van Persie was gone from the moment he uh, waved goodbye at West Brom last game of the season. And from then on, it was just a matter of not if, but when and where. And the only thing that upset me, uh, sorry, I'm just as pissed off as everyone else, <laughs> and 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 will will boo Van Persie just as loudly as everyone else. But the reason I'll be booing is because he's playing for Man United. I can't blame the guy because, in his shoes, I think 90% of us would have done exactly the same if we were offered 50 million over the course of a contract um, at his peak, where he's never going to be worth that money again you know he's never going to be worth as much as he is right now no I mean he'd have to be an idiot to turn it down um, and from our point of view it's 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 upsetting that we're we're we to lose another player because we're not perceived as good enough or not perceived as able to pay him the wages that he wants Kev uh, moving backwards towards Alex Song I mean are you frustrated at losing the man who made the most assists for us last year whether we like it or not or have you got a little bit of joy at selling a guy who Barcelona have already said they're going to pitch him out at centre half I didn't realise they were going to play him at centre half um, although funnily enough I think he could do a good job there <laughs> because he doesn't have the, the choice of being um, a playmaker you know he, he, he actually has to think about defending um I mean, given how we were using him, um, not at all sorry to see him go. I mean, I, I, I thought he was a liability. Um, again, as I said earlier, could have been a better player, but didn't mentally have it. Um, I think if Barcelona do play him at centre-back, you'll see a good player. I really do. Because I thought he played well for us at centre-back. Um, obviously... Wenger felt he were covered there and didn't need to play him there wanted him to play in midfield uh, which he did but as has been said you know, when Arteta disappeared last season Song didn't look very good at all um, so I mean what this discussion has just confirmed to me is Arsenal's place in the football food chain you know, we're not at the top um, we are some level below we're above Montpellier we're above Malaga we're above Cologne but we're below Barcelona, we're below Manchester United. And ultimately, that stadium move should have seen us on a par with those teams. So we're all waiting and longing for the day when we can be up there and we can be going to Manchester United and taking one of their players that we want. Hmm. Um, so at the moment, I'm a bit worried because I'm, I'm, I'm concerned that things are levelling out and this is where we're going to be. You know, it's like one of those... Um, if you've ever been to the Needles on the Isle of Wight, they've got all these different types of <laughs> sand from different uh, ages through time. Yeah. And they're all on the same, you know, they have their established level. <laughs> and so, you know, we're about a third of the way down in that little tube with all the different I've got one sands. of those ornaments. I know exactly what he's talking about, I swear. And, and we're settled there and we ain't going to move, you know. We need an earthquake. <laughs> 
And the earthquake here is Arsene Wenger going. So, um, well, we're controversial. <laughs> yes, indeed. So I, I'm a little bit concerned that we've seen the same year on year. And, and I mean, I could live with it if we were charging the same prices as other teams on our stature. But we're charging the most expensive tickets in the Premier League. So for that, we should be having Burkamp style signings. True, <laughs> yeah. sure, right. I'm totally right, Kev. Almost well, chilly in that. In reference to song, I actually remember years ago, I think it was one of the first question and answer sessions that they did with Wenger, uh, with the shareholders, and um, someone in the, asked him about, when uh, this was when Alex Song was still a centre-back, and someone asked him about playing Alex Song in midfield, and Wenger got extremely irate, saying, I know Alex Song will never be a midfielder. And, um, and I, can, I can understand that, because... Alex Song, we, we converted him into a, a holding midfielder as a centre back. He was as a centre back. He made a decent holding midfielder. I don't think it's his natural position. And the only problem with losing him is that we're not overly blessed with alternatives in that role. And then, as far as our, our position in the food chain is concerned, the the argument from Gazidis is, is that I agree with Kev. We were all sold the new stadium. I accepted the move from. That my the, the, uh, my love of you know my home of football at Highbury to the Emirates and an anonymous huge arena on the basis that it was the only way for us to compete with the with the big boys and and Gazidis's argument is that the uh, his uh, is that the economy has changed that the, the the footballing business has changed in the interim and where before um, the income from the increased income from match day would make us. We all expected us to to be able to compete with Man United and the Man Cities. Suddenly, we can't, and I don't really see that's true because everyone else is acting in the same arena. So, every, if if the economy has changed, this has changed for everyone, and we're the only one who's still still uh, 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 looking like a, a, a the B movie to everyone else's hit show. Well, <laughs> the, the, the crucial thing to remember is that we were competing with Manchester United with Manchester United before Chelsea came along with their money and since Chelsea came along with their money and more latterly Manchester City Manchester United have managed to stay in there mm. they've managed to make a fist of it even though they don't have the same resources why can't we? Why, why have Manchester United managed to beat the odds and we haven't? I'll be honest, that is certainly a question we are going to take on until next time and as we get nearer and nearer the end of Wenger's um, contract over the course of the next two years. Sadly, we are running out of time, so very quickly, mm. as a last question, uh, in a very, very brief and rapid answer, the big game on Sunday is Stoke Away. Mark, what do you think is going to happen? I love Stoke Away just because I hate Pulis, I hate their supporters, I hate their club, I hate everything about them and if we get a win it's going to be flipping brilliant. And you know what, I think we'll sneak a 1-0. No, that's like a header. There we go. That will do for me. Actually, you probably won't play. No, Shelley's not injured apparently, so people will listen to it by that point. No, I think we can sneak a one nil definitely. I think goals will be very hard to come by the first couple of months of this season. I think we'll find goals as the season goes along, but I can see us scrapping a one a one nil win because Stoke have apparently been made to make their pitch bigger. It's not as small as it once once was mm -hmm. this season, so they can't do those throw-ins anymore. So that will help us quite quite a lot. So one nil. Bernard, what do you think is going to happen Sunday? Uh, I bloody hope we uh, get something from uh, from the trips of Ritania just uh, to, to make it worthwhile schlepping all the way up there. Um, 
uh, although normally going to Stoke, you'd say if we come away with a point, you'd be quite happy. So I think a, a, under the circumstances of not having scored and not having and not having won a game, it would be great to win. But if we don't lose, I won't be I won't be t- too upset. Terry, what do you think? Easy win. Uh, well, <laughs> a marvellous test of character for the slightly new look side. Interestingly enough, I think we'll see a lot more of what effect Steve Bold has been allowed to have. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it because I think it's going to answer quite a few questions and it could be a very, very enjoyable afternoon if Arsenal have come through and show character. Um, so I'm thoroughly looking forward to the game. I'm still optimistic, you mm. know, because it's too early for me to sort of given up this season, you know. We're going to have a few games. We're going to see what, what, what the new boys are like. We're going to see what the old boys are like with a new assistant coach who's not mm. Pat Rice. Um, I want to see us battle. You know, I want to see a real um, committed performance and I'm looking forward to one. We used to do that about 10 years ago. I remember going to games like Bolton away always on a Tuesday night in February and we'd always win 2-0 with a goal in the first half, goal in the second half. It generally always Lundberg and Will towards scoring uh, the two Martin goals. Martin Keown yeah. normally yeah. gets sent off. Uh, yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> I, was, I think Stoke's come at a very good time. We came in like January, uh, February time when the ground's muddy, cold, chundering down with rain. Games it's, because all wouldn't turn up Yeah, free. it's a very different proposition to a Sunday afternoon. I doubt it's ever sunny in Stoke. But do you know what I mean? It's a different to like a summer's afternoon nearly August it makes it easier for us well I, I think as all as a battler and I think we'll see that at Stoke we'll have to keep our fingers crossed unfortunately we've nearly reached the conclusion of our new style one edition a month podcast you've got three or four more questions left no, no, save them right. until next time there's okay. all kind of things no 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 ask them I want to get home that, you know <laughs> I want to watch the telly but. anyway there is literally just 90 seconds left so Kev oh. would you like to remind us of the reason we're all here the next issue of the Guna well the next one actually uh, is out of the Southampton game and for those that missed the first one of the season it will be on sale at the away games against Stoke and Liverpool but you can also buy it online through the Guna website um, it's got the survey results in the current one I got hell of a review hell of a review on by, written up by our very own David Udo I knew gone downhill since last year <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't say what's going to be in the next one because it's a bit early but hopefully it'll be a very positive issue it would be anything from Ben about a 2000 word article about you know <laughs> his missus dog going to a match that's what I'll be looking forward to yeah, well, I'll try and talk him into it he did the letters at the inbox last is he yeah, 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 very good Ben very witty better than most I'd say thank you Kevin thank you gentlemen and just time for the usual reminder that if you want to email us about anything related to the podcast our address is gunapodcast at gmail.com so with that it's goodbye from Mark cheerio Kevin on City and Bernard thank you for having me <laughs> we'll be back next month with more I'm your host David Udo and thank you for listening la di da di da la di da di di all good friends and jolly good company way. Hey! <laughs>